Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. All right, everybody, Kevin Jennings here, and I'm excited that you are here for another episode of the Launch University Podcast. We've got an exciting one for you today, one I'm personally excited about because it's about helping you understand the differences and the similarities between entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship, that the idea of leading within the context of an organization, you know, being a visionary within that context, and also going out on your own and kind of forging your own path. And Shane, for those who don't know, uh, before he was an executive at Chick-fil-A, actually was an operator leading his own locations. And so for, he kind of has this experience of thriving both as an entrepreneur and entrepreneur. And so I'm, I'm trying to follow his footsteps and get some experience there. And David has also done a lot of thriving as an entrepreneur, but also through work with innovation, consults and works with a lot of organizations that are in, in working with entrepreneurs directly on boards. And so I feel like these two guys can give a lot of context for today. So guys, first of all, thanks for hanging out with me. You bet. Great yeah, to be, glad to be here. All right, so we're going to jump right into this thing. So I know one of the first commonalities we wrote down was accountability. So Shane, unpack this idea of accountability for us. Yeah, just for context, too, I do think this will be a bit of a rapid fire. And just to kind of set the ground, the framework here, I think these things cross over an awful lot. I think that's why there's inherent questions around what's the difference between an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur. And the truth is, they seem to dovetail quite a bit. And so we're just going to talk about, from our vantage point, some of the nuances of that and maybe some of the the opportunities that exist in in thinking about each one of these areas. So I'll just jump right in. You know, as I think about accountability, um, one of the primary differences that I've found as an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur is as an entrepreneur, there seem to be much more personal accountability with those decisions. You know, the decision to do X or Y really was incumbent upon me. Okay, so I've got a team, yes, but I, as the entrepreneur, I'm thinking, okay, this is the direction I want to go, and so therefore I had to have personal accountability. I think as an entrepreneur, there is more group accountability. Often we find ourselves uh, leading teams or a part of a team, and directionally you have to get agreement. You have to use things like decision-making rights, like, okay, who gets to make the recommendation and who gets to agree and who has the D in the decision. And so oftentimes the differences in accountability are strictly, hey, as an entrepreneur, I have more personal accountability, and as an entrepreneur, we have more group accountability. And, and as you know, if you know that kind of going in, it allows you to have the right mindset in each of those conversations. Mm, that's really good. All right. So, uh, David, walk us through another commonality between these two. Yeah. Uh, the next one would be um, both an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur are agents of change. Mm. Both of them, they have that desire to um, see things evolve, kind of get to the next level. I sometimes use the expression, they walk around with a healthy discontent for the status quo. Uh, I took the uh, Marcus Buckingham Strength Finder profile. I've got Maximizer at the top of my list. So I'm always thinking about, wow, what gets you to the next level? That's agent of change. The difference is, if you're an entrepreneur, you run with that in the context of an existing organization uh, or structure. Um, but you're always thinking this organization needs to evolve. So organizations do not need to stay static. 
They're living organisms, which means they need to change over the course of time in a healthy way. And that's the role of an entrepreneur to help figure out what that looks like and then to sort of usher that in. And I will say not everybody in an organization is always wired that way. Mm -hmm. You've got some folks that play more of a critical caretaking role as well. So you're going to have to push them. There'll be tension. In contrast, if you're an entrepreneur, you're probably you just want to go create your own vehicle. You don't want to fool with all the, you might think of it as baggage that comes with an existing organization. You want to be free of that, and hence you want to express this passion for change on a blank canvas. You know, I would even add to that, you're doing it in the context of strictly the marketplace and culture, right? Because you still, you're still going to be some headwinds of you being a change agent, but you're convincing customers you should even exist, right? They're like, I didn't, yesterday I wasn't asking about an iPhone, Steve Jobs. I just wanted, I, I was content with my iPod and my cell phone, right? So sometimes you're just, that's, that's the other headwind there for, waiting for you. Um, Shane, what might be another commonality? Well, one of the ones that I think both uh, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are responsible for is pitching ideas. But I will tell you, I, I think as, as an entrepreneur, oftentimes there's actually more people to convince of the idea because you're, inter you're internally part of an organization, maybe a big group or a big uh, team that you have to convince. But you actually have fewer at-bats to do so. And what I mean by that is you've really got to make sure that your pitch is spot on because you may be in front of a couple key groups very few times. And if you're, if you're not careful and you take a misstep, you miss the opportunity to do it again. And so I would say maybe for me as an entrepreneur, it's more people to convince but fewer at-bats. As an entrepreneur – you actually could make the argument that it's less people to convince at least early on, but you've got more at-bats, if that makes sense. It's like you may be in front of early investors or a community or what have you, but you get to practice that pitch over and over because you've got more chances to do so. So it's just these nuances as an entrepreneur think – fewer times to present an idea as an entrepreneur you actually get more opportunities to do that and it's just good to know that depending on where you are in your organization and i would say no matter where you are you need minimum words to get maximum results so i've heard that before you know, that's I, really I, I don't good know, i don't know if you heard it before but I, <laughs> oh, hold on commercial break <laughs> right i heard a guy once tell me um and so we actually care a lot about pitching because we recognize that no matter the situation you're in you have to have some words around this and and we actually put a framework together called Elevator Pitch from our experiences, both inside of organizations and outside. And we say, hey, what are the commonalities in the pitching process? And we help you do that really, really quickly. So go to myelevatorpitch.net. That's myelevatorpitch.net. And you have an opportunity to at least get a little bit of help on the pitching side of where you are. All right, Shane. Okay, can I say something? Please, Listen in. to Shane. Given what you said about if you're an entrepreneur, you have fewer at-bats. Sometimes we think pitching is just for the people that are entrepreneurs. Yeah. But it's not. you really better hone your craft. Leadership comes with a microphone. You better be ready when it's that's your right. turn, right? So so if you're if you're working within this uh, existing organization, you better be good at it as well. So yeah. all the more reason to if if you've not focused on it, it's worthy of focus. Amen. Yeah, you cost the company hundreds of thousands of dollars per hour if you get a bunch of room people in a room. Yep. Um, all right, so Shane, let's go back to you one more time. What's another thing on the list for you? 
Well, I think this is pretty intuitive, but vision drives resources. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, that vision is what's going to drive the ability for you to retain or get resources for your idea. And as you think about what that looks like in context of an entrepreneur, um, it really, anytime you're sharing vision, has to align with the broader organization and its mission. Mm. So as an entrepreneur, you really have to think about, okay, how is this lining up with where we're headed as an organization, and is it going to help us get there? And that's a question that you've got to ask yourself as an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, you have a lot more creative autonomy in that, mm. and you as the entrepreneur are getting to decide, and it's at your discretion on how big or how small, how narrow that vision is, and so you just have a little bit more autonomy to do so. And so I think, you know, quite honestly, as an, if you're entering into a conversation about an entrepreneur, I mean, the world is your oyster. I mean, you can literally, huge vision, talk about where you're headed and where you're going. As an entrepreneur, just remind yourself, okay, does this align with where we're headed as an organization? And I think it's a good checkoff to be thinking about as you go into these conversations. That's wonderful. I completely resonate with all of that and the realities of that. All right, so David, back to you, my friend. Yep. What's one something one thing on your list as well? All right, so you are this agent of change, whether inside the organization or out on your own. Uh, guess what? You're going to need help. Hmm. Everybody needs help. Uh, I um, I would cast myself principally as an entrepreneur working within the context of Chick-fil-A, and I'm leading some work that involves a lot of change. I need help. Hmm. My reality is I have to go shopping within the organization, but there are resources. I've just got to make the case for them. So I'm actually, that's a big part of my week this week, is figuring out what resources I need to bring a vision to reality. And um, we're going to kind of sign off on the shopping list, which is um, it's typically money and people that I might need. And then if we think we've got it and we've got a strong case, we'll take it to the organization and see if we can shop. Shane's going to help me with that, right, Shane? This Amen. Is, <laughs> that's what Shane does. <laughs> Shane's strategy and planning, so he's going to help me with that. Uh, but if I am an entrepreneur, I need help, but I'm going to have to do a lot of this scouting on my own uh, because there's no organization set up to provide all this stuff to me easily. Now, it's a whole lot better with all the things you can find online now, right? Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of cool apps, tools, resources out there, but I will always remember this interview that I did with Monica Lage. It's one of our earlier Launch University podcasts. She um, created a nonprofit called Break Into Business, a business camp for kids and teenagers, teaching them how to be successful for business. And uh, Monica shared something with me that was, I thought, fascinating. She is sharp. Okay, she went to Harvard Business School, and then she worked for a number of years with Boston Consulting Group, so she knows what she's doing. Now she's starting this new organization. She goes, hey, nobody told me how to do payroll. You know, and I didn't <laughs> learn that along the way. Or, oh, i got to create a website, or I've got to fill out these tax documents. You're on your own. So you've got to be pretty resourceful to go find the help you need, but you're whether which no matter which side of that fence you're on, you're going to need help. It's like entrepreneurs are building through free agency, you know, and and they're you know, and they're building through trades, and entrepreneurs are building through like the you know the draft. Like I've got to go draft somebody yeah. versus I can play free agency and just trade within the league and say, hey, can I build my team that way? So it's a little bit different, right? Because one has to evaluate talent. And the other one's like, hey, we have talent in the building. I've got to find the right one for my structure and my team, my culture, or my system. Uh, if, you're, no, if you're a sports fan, you love that. If you're not, you're like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and that made no sense as, if, at all. If that was the case, just 
listen to David and ignore me. No, no, no. Go sports. All right. So, Shane, what's on your list, my friend? Well, another one, and this will be short, but I do think, you know, as you're evaluating which one of these roles for you seems to fit better your, your personality, and, um, when I think about some of these commonalities between the two, I, I think about things like risk. And I remember very early on, uh, somebody asked me, hey, what's the difference between being a Chick-fil-A franchisee and then being on staff at Chick-fil-A? And the best way that I could associate it or the analogy that I came up with, and I think it's one that resonates, is it feels like when you're an entrepreneur, you thrive in an environment akin to the stock market. Mm. It's like the ebb and flow of that, the ups and downs. I mean, you're almost a day trader. You're thinking about, okay, what are we doing today to build the business? What did we do this month? And one day and one month can be completely different than the next. Um, And so you've got to be able, you've got to ask yourself, hey, do I enjoy this? Because if you don't enjoy the roller coaster of that, it may not be the best fit for you. Versus as an entrepreneur, in many ways, that's probably akin more to a mutual fund. It's, it's going to have ebb and, ebb and flows, but not near the ups and downs that the stock market would. And I do think, as you're kind of evaluating these roles, which one do you like better? Do you like being a part of an organization where there's a little bit more consistency, there's a little bit more process, but along with that comes a little bit more, perhaps, bureaucracy? But Do you feel like you can share ideas and be creative in that environment that's more akin to the mutual fund? Or do you say, you know what, I'll take it. If if that means that I can have more creativity and more autonomy and more decision-making rights, I'll take the stock market every day because I thrive in that environment. And I actually think that's a really good question because sometimes we have a lot of entrepreneurs that go, you know what, I'm really good at this at work. I'm going to branch off and build my own business. And what they forgot to ask was, how much do you like risk? How do you enjoy that risk? Because if that brings anxiety and stress because of the ups and downs, I'd tell you to hit the pause and spend some more time getting counsel about, okay, which one of these do you prefer? That's great. Well, David, I know you have a couple more on your list before we wrap up. And so let's start with you. Yep. Uh, Next one will be capital. Both entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are going to need capital uh, to take their idea and, and bring it to fruition. If you are working inside the organization, you're an entrepreneur, you're probably not going to have to spend as much of your overall time and energy going to get that capital because the organization is going to help you with that. However, it's going to feel different because there's probably some process for allocating resources. It's going to be tied to a fiscal uh, calendar. There may be an annual planning process. We have that at Chick-fil-A. It doesn't mean you can't get resources outside of that cycle, but it's a little more challenging to do so. So they really want to pit your idea against every other available option. And let's pick the ones that are going to be most strategic, have the biggest impact. So you don't have to spend as much time on it, but you've you got to line up with the structure. If you are an entrepreneur, you just need to recognize raising capital is probably, unless you have this big benefactor back there that's you know writing all the checks for you, you're probably going to have to spend a good bit of time going around and pitching for it. Think Shark Tank kind of stuff. Here's the good news, though. Um, as Shane mentioned earlier, you get lots of at-bats if you need them. And it's not like it has to. It's not like there's a season in which it has to happen. There are lots of places where it can happen. So there's a lot of freedom. You just need uh, good networks. You need to work on your pitch, but you just need to recognize I'm gonna have to spend a lot of time on it. That's good. That's good. 
Okay, so one more, and then we'll, we'll kind of sum this up for everybody. Okay, here's the last one, and it is process matters. And you may think, ah, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I don't want to. I want to be unshackled from all the process. I'm not sure it's quite that simple. Let me start with the entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur and you are in this organization that already has guidelines, rules, policies, structure, all of that, and you need to change that, I think you're probably going to have some discretion to do that. I mean, the nature of your task is to evolve the organization, do something different, take some new ground. You'll have to get permission, perhaps. You need some sponsorship, somebody that's sort of providing air cover to allow for that so that... There, there's an agreement that you're going to push the organization into um, a place we've not been before. It's different if you are an entrepreneur. You got lots of permission. You can do just about whatever you want. You can load in as much process as you want or strip away as much as you want. But it's the opposite. You need some discretion not to abuse that. Mm. And uh, Shane, we were talking about Elon Musk, which I think is a great example. You, you brought it up. Why don't you share that example? Well, I just think about, you know, here, here's an entrepreneur who has lots of permission to do whatever he wants to do, from SpaceX to Tesla to you name it. But what that requires is an incredible amount of discretion because he's got so much permission. And I just think about recently the remarks he made around stock price and stock change, and it impacted the actual stock price of his organization. It's like, hey, he needed more discretion. He had a lot of permission. And, as and an discipline. He and needed dis- some discipline. That's right. He needed discipline. Got a lot of permission as an entrepreneur to do whatever you want to do. You just got to show much more discretion in that. And I don't hold myself accountable publicly. You know, I think that long before I went full-time, I still had a, you know, a, t- a team of contractors working with me before I went full-time. And my permission would mean if I felt convicted on a revelation about where we should go, I could just pivot. And then the, and I would say, hey, guys, we're doing this. And, and for them, they're like, hey, we're, we believe in this guy. We're working for him. They're paying me, yes, that's fine, but we're working on your behalf. And that pivot undermines their trust. It yeah. under without them being involved, without the selfies that well, Kevin, their contractors, it doesn't matter. I'm leading people, and there's a reality with that permission that if we don't wield it with wisdom and discretion, we actually undermine the very changes we're trying to make because we're turning that corner so sharp and people are falling out the side of the car. And there's a reality that we have to be mindful of that. And I think that I had to kind of get my hands up a couple of times with people and seeing them emotionally almost have to protect themselves by checking out. They say, I, I, I'm sorry, Kevin, I, I'll do my work, but I can't emotionally care anymore because my I'm getting hurt emotionally by the, the topsy-turvy approach to leadership by you making calls and overly exercising all that permission without bringing us along. And so let me transition back because I, I actually think this is a really important part when you talk about process. If you're an entrepreneur, I think one of the things that can be frustrating is you go from this spot of being an entrepreneur where you have lots of permission to make directional changes, whatever you want to do. In an entrepreneurial world, most of the time there are decision rights and permissions that are required, i.e., who gets to make the recommendation, who gets to, who has to agree, who has the decision rights. And as an entrepreneur, you've got to understand that in each and every one of these changes that you're recommending, because if you don't, you can make a misstep. And so it's just much more permissions required, typically inside an organization versus the entrepreneur 
get, has a lot more freedom there. And what you just described, Shane, is documented well in the book Time, Talent, and Energy, yes. which, which we read. So that's a good resource we can post in show notes. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Well, hey, first of all, you want to add, Shane? Nope. I was okay. just smiling I, I got, at you. Okay. I got just one yeah, please, go final ahead. thought that we need agents of change. Mm. Okay, so we need people that go start new businesses and bring new capabilities to the world. They're entrepreneurs. Um, I think that's part of what makes particularly life here in, in the U.S. phenomenal is is we breed people who um, they're just they're wired for that, and we celebrate that. But by the same token, we need agents of change in all kind of existing organizations and businesses, in our government, in our churches, in our schools. That's beautiful. And, and so let's celebrate that too. Um, I would just challenge listeners, think you've got some of these capabilities. What's the environment in which you think uh, you're going to have the most success? And, and no, you can go either route, and you'll have to just – You'll have to play it accordingly. Hence, we po- we we talk to these differences, but we need entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. And what I love about this time that we live in right now, we're a part of a generation right now that gets to live in both of these worlds. Yes. Oftentimes, I mean, I can't tell you the number of people I meet where they got a full time job and they're the entrepreneur, and then they got this side hustle where they're the entrepreneur. And so. What a wonderful way to kind of blend and combine. You just got to be clear about what environment you're in and what role do you need to play for that environment. So, For all my millennials, brothers and sisters who just heard that, take that in. Because I think that's our big struggle is that we can take an entrepreneur's mindset in an entrepreneurial environment. And that's when all the headache starts. That's when you're getting your hand slapped and like, why don't they appreciate me? Don't they see that I care? Well, I think that sometimes, yes, you care. And I, and I don't think anyone's questioning that. But if you don't own the reality of the environment, it, it, it undermines the culture you're trying to serve, undermines the mission Well, and ultimately the serve. impact that you want to have. Right. Because I never question somebody's heart most of the time. It's like comes from a good place. You genuinely want to have an impact. It's just you may be using the wrong process. That's right. And the, yeah, that's it. The, right, the wrong lens. Yep. Right. In, in that environment. And so, I mean, I think that's really convicting. And I'm obviously, once again, as I always say on this podcast, I truly wish I heard this, you know, about 10 years ago, um, because I think that my empathy for the environment I was in and my ability to appreciate what I could learn would have been different. Right. The value of fewer at bats when you're pitching ideas is you have to practice. And, and, you know, that just, that's just about, hey, and you, you call your peers, you sell your, you sell colleagues because you know, long before that happens, you need to get somebody else involved. Well, hey, David, Shane, thanks again for your time today. And thank you for listening to the Launch University podcast, where our job is to help you be able to create your ideas, build your ideas, sustain those ideas in the marketplace as you go out and make a difference. Uh, It's our hope to help you become a difference maker, and we believe that you are on your way. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast. We want to help you grow on the go. You have to automate this. As Chris Yeh said, be an infinite learner, and we believe that we can help you do that if you hang tough with us on this podcast. Also, please leave us a rating or review on the podcast. That's how we spread the word. We don't want to keep these good things to ourselves. Let's help our fellow change agents. And lastly, we we talked about a lot of things. And I, I mean, and I, I mean, we, we packed 30 minutes pretty tight with a lot of ideas. So if you want to recap these ideas, please go to launchuniversity.com forward slash podcast. All research tells us you're at the gym, 
you're doing yard work, you're probably driving your car, please do not take notes while you're listening to this podcast. That would hurt what we're trying to accomplish with you and with you uh, throughout your journey. So go to launchversity.com forward slash podcast. Full recap is there waiting for you. And join us next time on the Launch University podcast. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.